uncommon sense advice on your work life, your personal life, and God knows what else. Welcome to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. Hi, I'm Marty Nemco. I've been thinking about what is the advice I give myself most often that's been most helpful and that I've often found useful with my clients. I came up with 11 things, and I'm calling them my commandments. And here are all 11. First one, be happy now. I know that may seem cliched or unrealistic, but I ask you to give me the two minutes it's going to take you to listen to the explanation. It's, it's, this is a, to be honest, this is what's worked best for me, who by nature uh, am a, a, not a happy person, and for some of my clients. And maybe even that this advice is more useful because I'm not a happy person. Somebody who's naturally happy, they don't have to do anything to be happier, where for me it's taken some work. Number one, if there is a negative that you can do something about, yeah, do what you can, but then try to stop worrying about it by distracting yourself with something positive. For example, let's say we're now entering tax season. Let's say you're dreading doing your taxes. <clears throat> Maybe just do a bit now and plan to, right afterwards, do something more pleasant. You'll come back to another bit of taxes a little later. Number two, ignore negatives that offer poor prospects for improvement. For example, if you hate one of your partner's characteristics, but you've chosen to stay with him or her, see if you can make yourself ignore that negative and focus on the positive in your partner or in what you're doing right now uh, that may be more enjoyable or can plan for. And that brings me to number three. Savor the present. Try doing that right now. Even just feeling a little grateful that you can watch this for free. You can always, you got, if you don't like it, you can always change channels. If you're working, be grateful that you can be productive, even if the work is mundane. If the work is too hard, see if there might be an easier way to do it, if only to break it into baby steps, or ask for help. When you're not working, even if you're just walking, looking at a flower, or enjoying one of Debbie Anderson's Victoria House scones, realize that while those aren't earth-shattering, those are about as good as life gets. Enjoy them. You'll probably be happier if you accept that pretty good is good enough, or at least that good is about all that's possible except for fleeting moments of ecstasy. And number four, look ahead to the good. When, despite all that, you start to get worried, sad, or angry, think about what you're looking forward to. And if you don't have enough to look forward to, could you create more, especially short term? What could you do that's enjoyable five minutes from now, an hour from now, a week from now? Try those four steps, stay with them, and your life should be happier. And if not, write it as a comment below. Or if you think it's a great idea, write it as a comment below. My second commandment, stay busy. These days we're often urged to slow down, even to be still. I couldn't disagree more. Here are the three major advantages of staying busy. Number one, you're distracted from your woes. You're too busy to worry about them. Two, you're productive, whether it's housework, helping someone, or trying to cure cancer. And three, you feel useful. But what if you don't have enough to keep you busy? Do any of the following appeal? Work extra hours. Say you're a good manager. How about putting in some more time on mentorship, prepping for your next meeting so it can be crisp, or figuring out how to deal with a problem employee who's difficult to terminate? How about a second job, even one of those low-level jobs that comprise most of the so-called great resignations? As long as it may sound to pleasure-centric people, once you accept the primacy of productivity, you can feel good about even cleaning toilets. 
All work is honorable work, maybe especially that which pays little and has low status. Learn something, especially something practical. Is there some software you should learn? Leadership skills, parenting skills. Even reading a good novel can teach you a lot. I've learned a lot about wise leadership from the character Armand Kamash in the book Bury Your Dead. Volunteer. What or who do you believe in, really believe in? Should you volunteer to help that person or organization? Clean up. That's comforting, and it's a bit productive to finally clean your place, or maybe just one room. Give away lots to goodwill, to needy friends, or just put your stuff out on the curb. Or, you got any better ideas? Good. Your ideas are more likely to be on target and acted on than those of some little, little person like me. But I think the advice is worth taking. Stay busy. So, what do you think? My third commandment, live healthy. You don't need me to tell you to watch your weight, exercise, and avoid dangerous substances. But in the end, that ounce of prevention is what matters most. The problem is that it ain't easy to stay with all that. Might the following help? Regarding weight, key to weight control is to stay alert at the moments of truth. When you're starting to prepare food, starting to eat, or maybe starting to think about going out to eat, and as you're eating, remind yourself how good you'll feel if you're moderate. Try to stop eating before you feel stuffed, but don't try to be perfect. That's rarely sustainable. Aim to be moderate and you'll be less likely to yo-yo and more likely to keep your weight reasonable. Regarding exercise, try tying exercise to dinner. You get to eat only after you've exercised. And the side benefit of that is if you exercise in the late afternoon or early evening, that gets you tired by bedtime. In contrast, if you exercise in the morning, you're more likely to be tired during the workday. Now a word about substances. Whether it's tobacco, alcohol, or other mind-altering substance, are you ready to substitute a less side-effect-ridden pleasure? Maybe screen-watching, taking a walk, playing a sport, writing, painting, cooking, crafting, or and or performing? If you're hanging out with a bad influence, like you know, a person who's a bad influence, explain that you're trying to quit, or should you see that person less, or even not at all? Of course, maintaining that deficit discipline is far from easy, but those tips should help. At the risk of sounding like your mother, you will be happier. My fourth commandment, curate. We're in an egalitarian era. We're encouraged to not be judgmental, but rather to accept that all people, all music, all cultures are of equal worth. I'll leave for another day the wisdom of that from a societal perspective, but certainly as individuals, key to a life well lived is to wisely curate who and what you allow into your life. First, regarding people. Among the people already in your life, which ones help you or pleasurable or pleasurable to interact with? Treat them well, even treasure them, and maybe spend more time with them. Are there people in your life who are the opposite? They drain you, make you lesser, or are unpleasant to be around. Can you reduce or even eliminate them from your life? If you'd like to bring new quality people into your life, does anyone come to mind? Or where might you find them? Online? At a meetup? A class? Friend of friends? Now some advice about curating things. The miracle of the internet makes it easy to curate things. I particularly trust reader reviews. They're more like us than are the paid expert reviewers. Of course, ratings can be misleading if they're based only on a few reviewers, but with reviews ubiquitous, especially on websites such as Amazon, Google Reviews, and Yelp, most products and services have many reviews. Of course, even 100 reviews averaging 4.5 plus stars is great, but you're not an average. To find out if something is right for you, 
read at least the top few reviews. At least on Amazon, they're listed in order of how useful other shoppers found a review. Being judgmental is now widely deemed a near epithet, but judgment, or if you prefer the softer terms, curate, evaluate, or discern, are core to the life well lived. Again, feel free to thank me or judge me as a judgmental jerk. My fifth commandment, be quick. Get in the habit of asking yourself, is there a quick yet reasonable way to do this? That mindset tends to be energizing and being quick frees us to cross off stuff off our to-do list and to have more time for fun. What can fuel you to be more productive? It might help to recognize that the life well lived is defined significantly by how much we produce and contribute. So it is wise to try to cram productivity into each hour, even each moment. In short, default to quickness. But looking for a quick and reasonable approach doesn't just apply to work, it applies to daily activities, from cooking to deciding whether to, whether that schlepping to that far-flung event is worth the opportunity cost, that is, what you otherwise could do at the time. I have prioritized quickness in writing this, uh, it's called My Commandments, it's collectively, it's a, you know, a little booklet uh, that hopefully we'll publish soon. I decided that it would be time effective for me to not do a lot of research, nor review my years of client records, but to share what's top of mind. That filtered in what is important and makes it faster both for me and for you. Being just a, a booklet or this probably 20 minute, I'm guessing maybe 20 minute little talk uh, is gonna make it uh, faster for me and you. So being quick does, however, tend to encourage hurrying, which brings risk. But rather than ask you to follow basketball coach John Wooden's advice to be quick, but don't hurry, be quick and when you're hurrying, try to be a little more careful. Good time to take a little break. This is the podcast of my How to Do Life podcast. And uh, I'm just going to take a brief break so the announcer can do her thing. And I'll be back in just a moment. I hope you'll stay with me. You're listening to How to Do Life with career and personal coach, Dr. Marty Nemco. If you'd like to work with him, email him a description of your situation, mnemco at comcast.net. That's M-N-E-M-K-O at comcast.net. Marty is pleased if you choose to subscribe to this podcast. If you're not listening to this on Simplecast, just go to how-to-life.simplecast and click on listen and subscribe. Thank you for staying with me. This is my sixth commandment to myself and to others. You must earn high self-esteem. Some people believe that we deserve high self-esteem merely by virtue of being human. True, we all have some value just because we exist, but we deserve high self-esteem to the extent that we contribute and are fair-minded. Legitimate self-esteem is earned. To assess how high your self-esteem deserves to be, you might rate yourself on these three questions. Give yourself one to five stars on each. Number one, net, how much do you help or hurt your sphere of influence? That refers to the people, events, and other things over which you have some control. Rate yourself one to five stars. Number two, do you wisely allocate justice versus mercy with individuals and in your political views and actions? Rate yourself one to five stars. And number three, should you count anything else in assessing your earned self-esteem? Again, one to five stars. Of course, self-esteem isn't fixed. As you review your answers to those three questions, is there at least one thing you want to do more of, less of, differently, or something new that would earn your higher self-esteem? 
My seventh commandment, accept or just fine-tune yourself and others. Most efforts to radically change ourselves or others fail, or those efforts cause more pain than they're worth. We may like to think that we're infinitely malleable, but fact is, by the time we reach adulthood, we're heavily formed by our genes, our family, our peers, the schools, the colleges, and the media. Of course, we're not cast in stone, but it's usually wise to accept ourselves and others as is or to just fine-tune. Our best chance to help others fine-tune is to be tactful. For example, would you mind if I shared something? If the person assents, be face-saving. For example, I'm wondering if you might be more effective in the world if you were a little more or less assertive. What do you think? Now let's turn to you. What's one thing that you should accept about yourself, even if it's a negative? What's one thing about yourself you should try to fine-tune? What's one negative thing about someone important to you that you should accept? And what's one negative thing about someone important to you that you should encourage fine-tuning? Now, do you think I am right to urge self-acceptance plus only fine-tuning? Or am I being too dismissing of the possibility of dramatic improvement? My eighth commandment, be ethical. I know, I know, you're rolling your eyes because it's easier to preach ethics than to practice it. That's true. But ethics are so central to the life well lived that I must endure your eye rolling. Hopefully the suggestion I'm about to offer will reduce your skepticism. Of course, it's difficult to be ethical when it's inexpedient for you. That is, if you'd be better off doing the unethical thing. Doing the ethical thing is even more challenging when you're confident you could get away with an unethical choice. So that's the situation for which I'd like to offer a suggestion. I'll explain with two examples one in the professional realm, one in the personal. Let's say you're a salesperson or its nonprofit equivalent, a fundraiser. You know that you'll have opportunities to withhold information that if disclosed could discourage the buyer. The product's weaknesses or that the nonprofit isn't as efficient with donor dollars as the public statistics imply. And the customer probably won't know. Ask yourself how you, your customer, and the competitor or competitors would benefit and be hurt from your doing the ethical thing? How would you feel about putting your head on the pillow that night? How would your family feel if they knew you made the ethical choice? And if you can think universally, what's the cosmically wise thing to do? Another example in the personal realm. Let's say you've agreed to be monogamous, but know you could be tempted to cheat. In advance, before you're in the heat of the moment, ask yourself whether your partner and your would-be paramour and you would be better and worse if you made the ethical choice. What would your family think? What would be cosmically just? Some people find it easier to be ethical by removing choice in the matter. It's non-negotiable. You will do the ethical thing. Other people just find it something to aspire to. Okay, my ninth commandment, invest rather than overspend. Spending is instant gratification while investing delays gratification. Well, many people choose one marshmallow now than two later. Yet the idea of invest rather than overspend, what I'm calling a commandment, deserves to be one of my commandments, and here's why. The pleasure one gets from overspending tends to be fleeting, and like a drug addict, the spendaholic needs a bigger and bigger spend to get spenders high. And the price paid for overspending is often huge and multidimensional. The materialistic lifestyle pressures many people into careers they like less than a career they'd otherwise choose. We spend our best hours, indeed our best decades, at work. Choosing a less pleasant, less contributory career is a huge price to pay for a materialistic lifestyle. 
People who are impressed by design or label address, car, clothes, and jewelry tend to be shallow, not necessarily the people whose opinion we're wise to value. A high-priced lifestyle tempts people to cut ethical corners to make their number. The materialistic lifestyle is complicated and stress-filled. It takes time and effort to buy, maintain, and repair all that. Particularly ironic is that luxury cars like Mercedes, BMW, and Porsche require more frequent and more expensive service than, for example, Toyota, and are more prone to break down. There's nothing prestigious, let alone fun, about standing on the side of the freeway waiting for the tow truck to haul away your Beamer. All that money could have been used for investment, which, thanks to the miracle of compounding, tends to earn you serious money, in turn security, and yes, purchasing power, without your having to lift a finger. And that brings me to investing. I am not a licensed investment advisor, but many of them would enthusiastically nod at this advice. Routinize your saving, that is make it routine. Take a fixed amount out of each paycheck or your self-employment income and invest it. You get extra benefit by first investing through your employer's retirement plan, 401k or 403b and an IRA, or if you're self-employed, a self-employed IRA. That money gets invested tax-deferred, with, which is a big advantage, and the, with those earnings getting compounded. It is beyond the scope of this My Commandments to discuss a range of investments, but many experts consider the following to be wise for many people. Choose the Vanguard All-in-One Fund or BlackRock LifePath Fund that matches your risk tolerance. Then put the aforementioned monthly tax advantage contributions into that. For most people, that simple formula for spending and saving is a solid approach to living well, securely, and without undue complication. Do you think I'm being too Spartan, unrealistic, or maybe you agree with me? My 10th commandment, garden. Even if you live in an apartment and can grow only houseplants, I recommend you garden. Benefits? You see the miracles of growth and of nature. Gardening is a break from our competitive, largely brain power-centric life. If you can garden outdoors, it's good and safe exercise. Well, here are my thoughts on how to garden for maximum pleasure with minimum hassle. Probably the most rewarding things you can grow outdoors are tomatoes, zinnias, marigolds, and in the winter, violas. You can grow them from seed, but if you want simplicity, get them as small plants at a nursery, small uh, supermarket, or a big box store. And whether they're seeds or small plants, they're inexpensive. If you're limited to houseplants, try coleus. It's a fast-growing one, and it comes in surreal colors. Or try a Phalaenopsis orchid. It's exotic, and it blooms for a couple of months and reblooms in six months. Also available in supermarkets and Trader Joe's where I get it, etc., big box stores. Or try a parlor palm, which brings the tropics indoors. For outdoor plants, use a drip system that runs on a timer. That saves a lot of time and, money and water. And you save additional time by using time-release fertilizer. And if, like me, you happen to live in a frost-free climate, particularly rewarding plants include bougainvillea, bird of paradise, and my favorite, an orange tree. Am I overselling gardening, or do you agree that it deserves a spot among my commandments? And my 11th and final commandment is to rely mainly on yourself. True, you can trust some people, even when it's inexpedient for them. But too often you can and despite all the rhetoric about we, together, and the community, many people end up being mainly about number one. Many of my clients and friends have worked hard, hoping for recognition, and gotten zip. 
So it may be wise to rely mainly on ourselves. Of course, at times we need, uh, want, and can count on other people. But consider defaulting to being self-contained and to giving yourself praise rather than waiting for others to bestow it. If you get what you hope from other people, fine. But if you are self-contained, your efficacy and self-esteem aren't dependent on others, and that can be empowering. Whether you agree with me or think that I underestimate how hard it is to go mainly alone, I welcome your honest response again. Email me at either, you know, email me privately at mnemco at comcast.net or make a comment below, and I do promise to respond. In conclusion, of course, other people might disagree with some of these, quote, commandments, but they're the best I have, and I hope you will find them of value to you. And for the last, and I'll just stop there. In any event, um, I do th thank you for watching, or if you're listening to this podcast, for listening. I always welcome your thumbs up and accept your thumbs down. I always, as I've stressed throughout this, uh, look forward to your comments, and especially like it if you share, you know, share it on your social media so that my efforts can have broader impact. And I am flattered if you choose to subscribe to my channel. In any event, I do thank you for watching or listening. Oh yeah, I like to always end these podcasts with this statement, which I think is more important now than ever. We find comfort among those who agree with us, growth among those who don't. I'm Marty Nemco. You've been listening to How to Do Life with Dr. Marty Nemco. For comments on the show or to consult with Dr. Marty Nemco, his email address is mnemko at comcast.net. Post-production of How to Do Life by Terry Rouse. Music by Blue Dot Session. Thanks for listening.